0: امسح دموعك فالله غفور رحيم يغفر ذنوبك ارجو رب الكريم كلنا خطاون وخيرنا التوابون افتح لقلبك هو الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Alhamdulillah, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal for his blessings and barakah. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for every single blessing that he has given us. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal for hidayah and tawfiq. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having created us, for having revealed to us the Qur'an, for having made us amongst the ummah of the Prophet sallam We thank Allah Azza wa Jal for gifting us the gift of the intellect and the gift of hearing and seeing and knowing. We thank Allah Azza wa Jal for gifting us the gift of family and the gift of friends and the gift of love as well. Because even love is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us in the Qur'an that He is the one who gifted us the concept of love. If Allah had desired, He would have created a creation that does not have feelings. Think about that. If Allah had willed, the creation would have been very different than what it is. But wa min rahmatihi of his rahma, Allah is saying, Allah Azza wa wants to make things easy for us. Allah created us in a very specific manner, and of the things that He mentions in the Quran, that wa min of the miracles of Allah, and لَكُمْ min anfusikum azwajan. He has created from you, for you, from amongst you. He has created for you from amongst you. خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ He created for you. He didn't have to. Allah didn't have to create the creation for each other. But Allah wanted to gift every gender with the other. Allah wanted to gift the man with the woman, the woman with the man. Because Allah knows we are weak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows each one of us needs something that the other can offer. So, خَلَقَ لَكُمْ He created for you. This is for our benefit. Allah didn't have to do that. There's no benefit to Allah. It is a pure gift for us. خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ From you. Each one. Of the genders is from both genders. Every man is from a man and woman. Every woman is from a woman and man. مِنْ أنفسكم. You know there's a very popular book, which is actually a very good book, and I encourage you to read it. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So this author is saying, we are alien to one another. Of course he's joking, and there's an element of truth in that as well. But Allah is saying, you are not aliens. Alhamdulillah, you are both on planet earth. خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ We are from each other. In the other verse Allah says, بَعْضُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْضٍ About genders. بَعْضُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْضٍ Each one of you is from the other. How can a man hate women? How can a woman hate man when each one came from the other? There can be no misogyny in Islam. There can be no hatred of the other gender in a human being because every single Every single gender comes from both genders. خَلَقَ لَكُمْ من أنفسكم He created for you, from amongst you, your partner, your zoj, your companion. And Azwaj is the plural of both husband and wife. Azwaj does not mean just Allah created for men women. No. Allah created for the men women or for the women men. Allah created for the husband the wife and for the wife the husband. This is what Azwaj here means. For every one of you, Allah created the other. Why did Allah do this? For what reason? So that you can and this is a very beautiful verse, Taskunu ilayha. Allah didn't say taskunu مَعَهَا Taskunu إِلَيْهَا And this has a very profound meaning, which if you wanted to translate into English, it can be, you will find peace dwelling with her. And she will find peace dwelling with you. Your saqina will be found when you are living with her. And she will find her saqina when she is living with you in harmony. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً And Allah is the one that has placed between the two of you. Allah is the one that he has placed between the two of you, مَوَدَّةً and رَحْمَةً And مَوَدَّةً is a very special type of love. It is a love of tenderness, a love of compassion. Ibn Qayyim mentions that the verb for love in Arabic, there are more than ten verbs for love. More than 10 verbs for love. English is a mesquine language compared to Arabic. We have one verb, one noun. We love money, we love our children, we love our lovers, we love the dunya. We, everything is the same love. In Arabic, there's more than 10 words for love. And one of them is mawadda. And mawadda is the type of love where you will sacrifice something for the comfort of the other. Mawadda is the type of love that is nurturing. Your love will sacrifice your pleasure for the happiness of the other. That's what mawadda means. Wood is a love that is nurturing. That's what it is. And Allah is saying, the spouses they have this type of love. They will sacrifice their own happiness for the happiness of the one whom they love. That is mawadda. And then Allah says, and I placed rahmah, which is as you know, compassion and mercy between the two of you. Now, today's talk is not about this verse. It is about something that is... Somewhat different. And it is based upon uh, a a very best-selling book that around 15-20 years ago, it really became a global best-seller. And it is called The Languages of Love. And I have read this book multiple times. And I've basically Islamicized it. So. Don't give me the credit for the actual languages. But this author is obviously not a a, a Muslim. He's writing, he's a psychologist, a therapist. He's written from his own experiences something that is called the languages of love. These are five languages of love. I have read this book and I have summarized and Islamicized, gone through it and I have found Quran and Sunnah. And in my... Uh estimation, what I. I mean, one of the things that I do, I read books on many topics, whether it is, you know, management, whether it is leadership, whether it is speaking skills, whether it is love and romance, and I have found that so much wisdom that mankind has discovered, we will find it in the Qur'an and sunnah that a lot of these things that they're talking about, that they have discovered on their own from experience, we will find them in the Qur'an and Sunnah. And so a lot of my lectures, if you listen to them, they're combining between the ilm al-dunya and ilm al-deen. That's what I think is very useful to do as well. And you know what? It is true that sometimes they will tell us things that we don't know, and we will say things they do not know. And so as our Prophet Wasallam said, knowledge and wisdom, it is the lost item of the believer. Wherever he finds it, he will take it. Knowledge and wisdom, wherever you find it, you take it. As long as it doesn't contradict our Qur'an and Sunnah, anything they come with, we can benefit from. So in this case, I took this author, you will find it online, it's called the five languages of love, or the languages of love. And I have Islamized it, and I have given much longer lectures, but today I will give a short one, maybe around half an hour or so. And what he says, this author, and he's a psychiatrist, he's a therapist, he has been counseling couples for many years. And so what he, when he wrote this book 20 years ago, he said what he discovered was that people express and receive love in different ways. And a lot of times, one of the spouses is expressing love. But the other spouse, the language that they want to receive the love in, is different than the language the spouse is expressing. And he gives a simple example. Imagine if one, uh, if the wife speaks Japanese and the husband speaks Swahili. And the wife is saying, I love you in Japanese. And the husband doesn't speak Japanese, he speaks Swahili. So she can say a million times, I love you, I love you, I love you. And the husband does not understand that language of love. And so the husband ends up saying, my wife never loves me. Even though she's screaming at the top of her lungs. But he has not learnt the language of love in Japanese. Now we're not talking about... Human languages, we're talking about expressions of love. So he in his therapy, he said these are five languages that we should all learn to recognize. So that in case our spouse is screaming in one language, we should be aware that okay that is their language and we will then appreciate. Also he says, it is very common that the language you give love in, might be different than the language you receive love. You want to give in one language, you want to receive in another. This is is the, the norm or the default. That a lot of times, what you do when you are in love, how you will express love, is different than how you will receive it. So, the goal of today's lecture is to go over these five languages. So that we understand. Now, which language is right? All of them are right. And all of these five, are ways to show love. Even if you don't speak one of these languages, if you show love in them, your partner will understand. But it is true all of us might have one or two languages that we are more accustomed to. We want to receive love more in those languages, and our spouses are accustomed to giving love in another language. So we need to coordinate our languages of love. Do you understand the purpose of the talk then, right? So the purpose of today's talk is that the couples need to think and introspect. Those of you that are married, now you analyze your own marriage in these five languages. You analyze yourself. How do I express? How do I want to receive? Then you look at your partner and you analyze him or her. How is he or she expressing and wanting to receive? Those of you that are not married, you can take notes. It's the 14th of February. So plenty of time inshallah to uh, be uh, romantic. I asked Imam Saab why is it so hot in the masjid? He goes, this is the heat of love today, mashaAllah. So Imam is, uh you can blame him for that. He wanted the uh, uh, romance to be very hot today. Alhamdulillah. So. We will explain these five languages and give you evidences from the Qur'an and sunnah about each one of them. We will find them in the seerah of the Prophet Wasallam. The first and the most obvious language of love, and this is the language that everybody begins in, is verbal, talk, communication. To say, I love you, is definitely something that indicates love. And this is obviously uh, one of the most common ways and one of the first ways when romance begins and when the marriage is taking place and whatnot. This is definitely one of the things that is said. And there is even a uh, hadith in a dar-qutni, sunan-a-dar-qutni, with a slight weakness in his chain, but it is a part of the seerah, and it's not a problem to do, to mention, uh, a hadith about the seerah that have a slight weakness, that, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha once asked the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that she asked the Prophet sallam, Ya Rasulallah, كيف حبك بي? How is your love for me? How is your love for me? Now pause here. Husbands, one of the things that we Are totally clueless about. We are completely clueless about. Is that women need constant reaffirmation of love. Aisha is asking, Ya Rasulullah, how is your love for me? This is human nature. Women want to be reassured constantly. Men, once we get married and the nikah takes place, khalas, we are in for the long run. Khalas, we don't need, we know. That's it. But women are different. They, Allah created them differently. They want that reassurance constantly. So here's our mother Aisha saying, Ya Rasulallah, كيف حبك بي? How is your love for me? And our Prophet and replies, and look at the poetic response. And of course in Arabic, it sounds even better in English. It's even not bad in English. But he said, like a tight knot. Right? Like the tight knot. You know when the knot is tightened up? Like a tight knot. Means it's permanent. It's always there. Like a tight knot. And it is uh, then the hadith goes on that every once in a while, Aisha would tease the process and especially if there's something going on, issue, how is the knot right now? Is it still tight? How is the knot right now? So this really shows, this is what we call the language of love. That you actually have and also another key point is that there are Key phrases that couples have for one another. Phrases that are inside jokes that only they have. And this is a sign of healthy love. That even our Prophet had a pet name for Aisha. Do you know this? He had multiple pet names for Aisha. He called her Humaira. He called her Ummi Abdullah. And he called her Ya Aish. عائش, she cut off the term, you know when you just out of love you change the name a little bit right we all do this in our culture just change the name nobody on earth called her Aish other than our Prophet ﷺ. And he would sometimes tease her, Ya Aish, Ya ish," like this. And subhanAllah, this is what we call the language of love. Saying you love your partner. Having these inside jokes that, you know, go back to when we were married, or something happened, or an incident, and bringing it up over and over again. And also, a lot of us, especially in the cultures that we come from, us men especially, we feel that we are somehow not masculine if we show the soft side to our wives. We feel that we are somehow betraying our masculinity if we really show our wives how much we love them. And honestly, that is not only foolish, it's, it's just not true is not only wrong, it's factually in, in, incorrect and it's gonna harm the marriage. Our Prophet sallallahu wasallam in a culture that was far more pseudo-macho than ours. Pseudo-macho, it's not real macho it's pseudo-macho. In a culture that was far more, uh, if you like, d- demonstrating a of, of version of masculinity than ours is. And nobody mentioned love for women publicly. We all know the famous hadith in Sahih Bukhari, when a Bedouin came and he said, Ya Rasulallah, Who do you love the most? Man ahabun nasi ilayk. and everybody understood that he is intending. Who do you love the most? Amongst the people sitting in front of you, and the interesting point: when our Prophetsum said this hadith, Aisha is not in the audience. He is not saying what he is saying so that Aisha's ears hears. He is saying this to make a point that in a society which it is taboo for a man to say how much he loves his wife. In a society where people think it's not masculine or something to confess that he loves his wife. In front of the whole masjid where all the major sahaba is there, he says, Aisha. And the man himself became embarrassed. La, ya Rasulullah, I didn't mean that. I meant amongst the men. Even he got embarrassed. But our Prophet don't you think he understood? I mean, don't you think he understood the purpose of the question? Ask yourself, why is he mentioning his wife's name? The language of love. Sure, she wasn't sitting there. Don't you think within 10 minutes, the news would have spread all the way back? Don't you think the whole city of Medina would be buzzing? Our Prophet announced his love for Aisha. And how do you think Aisha would feel? See, this is what you call Love. This is what you call announcing your love. You want to solidify your marriage. You want your spouse to love you, and you love them back. Why is it not masculine? Why is it wrong to announce to the world that yes, I love my wife the most? So in front of all the men, he announces Aisha. Then of course the man becomes flustered. No, no, I didn't mean women. I meant amongst the men. And even then as we know, he linked the one man whom he knew Decades before he married Aisha. He still linked him through Aisha, whom he's only been married to for less than a decade. He said, amongst her men, her father. Amongst the men, her father. Even though he knew her father, even before she was born. And he knew her father for 40 plus, 50 plus years. But now, the love that he has for Aisha needs to be demonstrated. Her father is the one that I love the most amongst the men. This is what we mean the language of love is number one language. You say it. Dear husbands, there is nothing wrong. In fact, it is Islamic and it is common sense to affirm love verbally for your wife. And unfortunately, many of us, we... We feel awkward to even express our love to our wives. Saying, I love you, never grows old. No matter how old you are, the love should still be young. And if you don't want to say this word, say it in different ways. Like our Prophet ﷺ, he said in different ways as well. There's also a beautiful hadith about, and it's too long to mention all of it, but it's in Sahih Bukhari, it's like two pages long. It's It's essentially Aisha saying, Twelve different stories, or eleven different stories, of what happened in Jahiliyyah. It's a fable. Uh, this, 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 this. Eleven different, and the last one was a very beautiful story where there was a strong love between the husband and the wife. And in uh, it says Abu Zara and Um Zara, and our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, out of all of these stories, O Aisha, my love for you is like the love of Abu Zara for Umm Zara, except that in your fable, Abu Zara. Divorces is Umm Zara and I'm never gonna divorce you. Right? Now she's just telling a story. She's just saying something. And the Prophet him tacks on something that is not a part of the story. She, he didn't have to say, Oh, out of all of these, the love that he has, that's my love for you, except that it's permanent. He didn't have to do that. But he's using an opportunity, to express his love to his wife Aisha. See, this is how you're gonna make that marriage very strong. So, having that verbal language of love, having that, Positive sentiment. It is something that expresses love. Now the flip side of this, the opposite side of this, is to be negative when you speak. To always put the other party down. To say something that is demeaning or emotionally hurtful. How can a marriage flourish when every second or third statement is meant to hurt the other person? How can a marriage flourish? Be careful. And even if something needs to be said, even if... Something needs to be pointed out. Try to change the language into something positive rather than negative. For example, simple example, and again, I don't want to be too stereotypical, but sometimes, let's say the default is in most couples, let's say the wife is going to cook more than the husband, let's say. So, let's say the husband is irritated at, let's say, food isn't being cooked, okay? Rather than saying that, can't you ever cook some food? Can't you ever cook a decent meal? Flip it around and say, Remember that biryani you made? Biryani is always mashallah, language of love. That's another language of love, okay? Remember that biryani you made two weeks ago? I really miss it. The same sentiment is done. I really miss that dish that you cooked. Imagine if you said that rather than saying, why can't you cook a good meal? The same sentiment, you miss a meal. You really want that. But you phrase it positively. You put the spin on it. And now perhaps the spouse will be enthusiastic and do it out of genuine love rather than hate and being forced to do it. So the point is that this is what you call words of affirmation. You affirm your love. You say something that is positive. And one of the most important ways to do this is to praise your partner. To say something good about your partner. Husbands, husbands, always compliment your wife no matter what she's wearing she says well, how do you think this looks the answer is don't think do not think at all say mashaallah tabarakallah you have to give good words here okay and of course obviously i shouldn't say this out too loud but it's on the microphone everything remember we are allowed to exaggerate a little bit when it comes to spousal issues okay alhamdulillah our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that, what a husband and wife say to one another, this hadith in Bukhari, there is no kathib, there is no lying. What does this mean? What does this mean? Subhanallah, some of our brothers, mashallah, they're so muttaqi, they're so muttaqi, they think they have to be honest when their wives ask them how they look in the dress that they're wearing. لا حول No, don't dig your graves that early. Okay? You are allowed to, mashallah, tabarakallah, put some, Syrup and sugar. And Allah is not going to punish you for love language over here. Okay? And, and I'm being serious here that, subhanAllah, why do you think our Prophet actually said, there is no kathib in a man and a wife, a husband and a wife talking with one another. Why do you think he said this? Because he's opening the door. Go ahead and sweet talk one another. I mean, will I think about on a serious note. Why do you think there's a hadith in Bukhari? that a husband and wife, when they are romantic with one another, he is describing her, she is praising him, go ahead and say whatever you want. Alhamdulillah, is good for you for the marriage. Why do you think he even says this? Because he wants to show you words of affirmation. Wives as well, don't always put your husband's accomplishments down. Like everything has to be a sarcastic thing. No, praise, thank. Say that you appreciate the job promotion. Oh, you only got one raise, not three raises. No. Praise it a little bit more. Even if you are frustrated that you only got one raise after three years, whatever. Praise it. MashaAllah, I support you in the... That one word, subhanAllah, you will increase His love for you so much by a word of affirmation. Your respect and your support is gonna go light years in His love for you. So, both husbands and wives, first language of love is the most obvious tongue. And we don't just mean I love you, which is important. We mean positive words, words of affirmation, words of encouragement, words that are meant to uplift the spirit. This is the first language of love. The second language of love. The second language of love. And this is a language that generally speaking, generally, again, all, everything is general, women love to receive, but men find difficult to give. Okay? And it is the language of time. The language of time. This is the language that it shows you care. Why? Because we all have 24 hours in the day. And what you choose to do with those 24 hours shows your priorities. That is obvious, isn't it? Right? All of us have commitments left, right and center. If we wanted to, we could take on commitments we don't need. The fact that we take on a commitment shows is gonna come at the expense of something else. So we are prioritizing. Therefore, a woman wants to sh- experience love by time. So the wife usually complains that he doesn't spend time with me. And us husbands were like, we come home, you know, at 7pm and we leave the house, whatever, at, you know, 8pm. Right there, that's 13 hours a day, multiplied by 5, then on the weekend. So he is thinking clock time. But you see, when the wife is asking for time, she's not asking clock time. She is asking attention. Attention. Quality time, not quantity. You see, we only have one Saturday evening. And if you choose to go play cricket with your friends on Saturday evening, okay, what you've done is you've demonstrated to your wife that you've taken your most choicest time frame. The time frame where you're relaxed, you're calm, she's looking forward to it, let's say. And you're like, no, I'm gonna go and watch the match. I'm gonna go. So she feels slighted. Not because of the clock time. But because of quality time. Now I'm not saying that we, all men, I understand, we, I mean especially my wife knows this, I have to do what I have to do, what not. But my point is both partners need to know. One of the most important languages of love is time. Quality time. And Husbands and wives needs to talk frankly with one another. Yes, us men, we have our needs. We have our man cave. We want to go in and not be disturbed. We have our time with whatever, news, sports, whatever we're doing. Fine, understandable. But we also need to understand, our wives also want our time. And they have haqq over our time. So, we need to schedule quality time. Husbands, when you say to your wife, we will spend this time together. This means the television has to be off. It means the remote has to be away from your hand. I know that's very difficult to let go, especially as the wife is talking, and the no, that's not quality time. Means the magazine has to be shut, and you have to pay attention, spend actual time. And our Prophet ﷺ would spend quality time with his wives every single day and week. Aisha says that even though the general rule he told the sahaba that uh, try to go to sleep after Isha. and those days they would sleep after Isha, pray Tahajjud wake for fajr. Aisha says that the Prophet ﷺ would speak to me after Isha. Meaning at night time when everybody else is asleep, he would speak to me until late night. And we all know the famous incident in Sahih Bukhari as well, that our Prophet ﷺ, he famously once told the Sahaba, they were going on a caravan, that he told the Sahaba, you guys go forward and leave me with Aisha. And he then raced her in the desert. He raced her. And the first time, who beat whom? Aisha, Aisha radiallahu anha beat the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Then a few months or a few years later, the same thing happened and he beat her. And then he said, this one makes up for the first one. This is what we call quality time. Literally, he got rid of every other engagement. Literally. This is what we call, when we're talking about time, he told the sahaba, leave me, give me some time with Aisha. How do you think our mother Aisha felt? How do you think in public, he is giving this time, he's gonna race. And by the way, doing a race, you think you are serious and important? You think it's demeaning for you to play with your wife and children? billah. <inaudible> أَوْدُوا Our Prophet ﷺ, and he is Rasulullah, the one whom Allah sent the Qur'an down on. And he is playing a race with his wife. Think about that. And when you do a race, what must you do? On your market, said, set, go. We're gonna begin here. We're gonna end there. That's all a part of the race, right? And he's doing that race with Aish. This is what we mean by quality time. When our wives ask us, you never spend time with me. This is what they mean. What our Prophet وسلم spent time with our mother Aisha. And as well, zahakallah And as well in the famous incident of the Abyssinians. Of the Abyssinians playing in the masjid. The Abyssinians came and they had acrobatics that they're doing. They're throwing their spears and they're jumping up and down. They're doing arts of war, right? Pause here, footnote. Subhanallah, we have really lost the spirit of Islam and we have made Islam so different and difficult than it is. I swear to you, if we had acrobats in the masjid, and if I brought them in, you would take their spears and throw them at me. Say, billah, he's doing this in the masjid. And our Prophet is having the Abyssinian Habasha playing and jumping and throwing their spears in the masjid nothing wrong if it's halal, nothing is wrong there. They're demonstrating their skills, and all the sahaba are surrounding them. Okay? And I, I, you know from my talks now, I mean, I think we have really lost a lot of the spirit of Islam. We made Islam so strict and difficult and very, and is there any surprise that our children, anyway, let me I go down there. Islam is, read the seerah. Read the seerah of our Prophet wasallam, Read the hadith of how Islam was practiced, and you will see we are making it much more difficult than it needs to be. In any case, so all of the sahaba are surrounding the habasha as they're playing inside the masjid. Our Prophet wasallam realizes that the women cannot see. Look, he is thinking about the women. He realizes the women cannot see. So he stands up and goes to his door. When he is at his door, now you all should know, the door like you see this exit door here, the door of the Prophet's house was essentially like that. You walk from the masjid to the house, there's a private door. And then he had another door that for the visitors. He has a private door from his house to the masjid. Only he will use it. That's it. And our Prophet then stood at the door. When he's standing at the door, what do you think the Sahaba are gonna do that are between him and the Habasha? What are they gonna do? Make way. Open space. Because respect for him. Now that the space has been opened, he says, Aisha, come. Aisha, come. And Aisha comes, and she was shorter than the Prophet ﷺ. So she said, I had to stand on my tiptoes, and I put my chin on his shoulder, and I touched my cheek with his cheek. And he covered me with his shawl. So that obviously hijab is being done. He covered me with his shawl and I stood and watched and watched and watched until I got tired of watching. But I decided to stand just to see how long he would stand with me. And he continued to stand until my feet got tired. Then I said, okay, enough ya Rasulullah. I am embarrassed to say, we say I don't have time for our wives. I'm embarrassed to say this. We say, I don't have time. Do you think my schedule and your schedule is busier than his? And he was sent as Khatim al-Anbiya wal-Rasul. And yet he is standing for his wife sallallahu wasallam, Only for his wife. He does not need to see. He's seen one minute. No, what's he gonna do? But, and even Aisha says, even I got tired. I just wanted to see how long is he gonna stay until finally my own feet Got tired, and I said, okay, enough ya Rasulullah. This is what we mean, quality time. This is what we mean. Next time we are our wives want attention, you know what, I understand. Sometimes we come home, we're not in the mood to talk. Then you tell your spouse, you tell your wife, you know what, now is not a good time, give me an hour, or give me three hours, or give me Saturday, whatever it is. But you need to understand, if you want your marriage to flourish... Both partners need to give quality time. And quality time, really it means attention. That's what it means. It's not clock time. It is attention. It is that you sit down and you make everything clear, and then you pay attention. And that's what it is. Focused attention, undivided attention, and you listen. And also... Dear uh, husbands, dear men, understand as well. And this is something that is mentioned in the very famous book, Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. And jokes aside, it really is a very good book. A very good book. I strongly encourage all of you. The author is a very religious Christian. And there's nothing in the book that is un-Islamic. Really, there's hardly anything I can even think of that is even remotely un-Islamic. It's just a book of psychology. And it's about men and women, are how different they are. And one of the things that he mentions, and he is one of the top psychotherapists of America, a therapist and a psychiatrist and whatnot, and John Gray, famous author. And he basically mentions, this is well known now, that men are solution givers. And women, they want to bounce ideas by talking. And this is one of the biggest sources of clash. Women just want to express themselves. And from our perspective, they just seem to be talking, 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 talking. Right? We don't understand. Through their talking, that is how they are finding comfort and solutions. Whereas we come along, we just want to shut them up and give the answer right there. And then our wives think no quality time. Most of the time when our wives come, and they talk to us about the problems, what happened, what not. They're not wanting a solution. They just want a sympathetic ear. That's all. I know it's difficult for us to hear and not speak. It's really difficult for us to not give a solution. But that give it a try. Just listen and empathize. Just say, that must have been difficult. Yeah, I can see why you were frustrated. Just comment. And you will see how... Do, rather than trying to solve immediately, just listen. Just listen. And then... Would you like me to offer a suggestion now or is just, you just wanted to, you know, air it out? You even just ask and then see what happens. Psychologically, men and women are very different. When I come to you for a problem, the only reason I'm telling you my problem is what? I want a solution. Or else I would never come to you for my problem, right? Why would I tell you my problem unless I think you might have an answer for me? That's why I'm coming to you. Well, we don't understand, us men, women are different. They talk through their problems by talking about the problem. And they'll find their own solution even if you don't give it. It's not the main concern what you're gonna say. So that is quality time, language number two. Language number three. Language number three is the language of gift giving. The language of giving something to the other. A physical item that is handed over by one to the other. And our Prophet explicitly mentioned this as a language of love. In a hadith that is only two words, two word hadith that explicitly affirms that gifts are a language of love. What are the two words? Tahadu, tahabu, tahadu, tahabu, tahadu, tahabu. Give hadiya, you will love one another. This is an explicit affirmation that giving hadiya is a language of love. And giving hadiya, another difference between men and women. Us men. If our wives had, let's just say, a thousand dollars that they're gonna get in a year for a gift for us, us men, we would want that she saves that thousand to that one time of the year and gives us that expensive watch or that tool set or that whatever it is, fishing gear or in my case, scuba diving gear, whatever it might be, okay? We want the expensive gift even if it's once every blue moon. Fair enough. Men, wives are not that way. They want frequent gifts even if they're free. A gift that shows you are thinking about them. And I'll I'll never forget when I was newly married in in, uh, Medina. And all of us were newly married uh, back then. Uh, We uh, we were a batch of students there in Medina. And so all of our first years, we were all discussing the strange nature of women, right? And I have a, a friend of mine, he was just newly married at that time, first few months, he goes, women are strange creatures, he told me. Women are strange creatures. I said, well, now what happened? So he said, you know, I went to get the newspaper and I got my wife a Twix candy bar, right? And brought it home and she literally was jumping for joy that you got me a Twix. I said, calm down, it's just a Twix. I mean, he couldn't understand. Like, was so happy. But in hindsight, even I understand. Now this, I didn't understand. We're laughing at this. The fact that you thought of your wife, That's what she wanted. The Twix bar is irrelevant. It's a small thing. The fact that you, when you went to the store and you thought, you know, let me get something for my wife. Something small like this. And us husbands, we need to understand our women. Of course, they all love the expensive stuff as well. But if we have a thousand dollars, take a small amount for the big gift and the, the rest of it divide by maybe 20. And every two weeks, every week just give something small. And that small gift will sustain the love. Yes, once in a while you need the large gift, the wedding anniversary. If you don't know my position, wedding anniversary is not only halal, it will sustain your marriage. I actually say it is mustahab to do this actually. Listen to my lecture, I have it online. There is no bid'ah, no haram. People who say this, I very strongly disagree and they don't understand what bid'ah is. We don't expect Allah to reward us for celebrating a wedding anniversary. There's no bid'ah in that. There's nothing wrong with remembering this. There's nothing wrong with having a romantic dinner with your wife or something like this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this. But in any case, uh, the, the issue comes of course of constant gift giving. So it doesn't even have to be monetary. You know some of the best gifts are not money. For example, if you were to write a card for your wife. Something from the heart, personal, a poem. No matter how cheesy or dumb you think it is, believe you me, it will impact the marriage. Believe you me, it's gonna go a long way because it's the thought that counts. Again, us men, we are way too critically over-analytical. We analyze until we stagnate. What if she makes fun of? What if? What if? And in that we do nothing we stink so much that it makes us do nothing no just do just something small something trivial and guys flowers are always in season no problem go give no problem you know i remember i teach i taught a class many many years ago and we're teaching class about seerah and whatnot. One of the sisters said, did our Prophet ever give flowers to our mothers? I said, subhanAllah, dear sister in Arabia, right, in Medina, where do you think flowers are gonna come? But I will tell you, and I gave her many romantic examples of them, is the Prophet ﷺ drinking some milk. Uh, taking the milk of Aisha and he turned the glass around and where her lips came he made a point to put the lips right where her lips were He she handed the glass this way Aisha said he turned it around and he looked at me and where my lips were he then did that something so small this is what we call romance something so trivial so You. The point is you want to demonstrate to your wife that you're thinking about her, you're loving her. And in our culture, this is cultural. How do you express love? In our culture, it is by giving a flower, giving a card. It is by remembering the day you got married. All of these things are meant to keep the marriage alive. And therefore gift giving is one of the languages of love and therefore make this a point husbands don't think only of monetary gifts even something that is very small even something that is free like i said like write something on a card or if uh, if you you know some flower is there that is permissible for you to pluck that will be something that you know you just thought of me as the saying goes the, the, the It's the thought that counts. This especially applies for women. Us men, we're a little bit more selfish and greedy. We want the thought and an expensive gift. So for us, if our wives give us once every few months or year, we're happy. We got the big gift like that. But for women, it is the other way around. This is the third language of love. Two languages left inshallah, then we're done. The fourth language. The fourth language of love is the language of helping. The language of chores. The language of Doing what is typically the responsibility of the other to do. You see, in every marriage, husband and wife, routine works out. One couple does this, the other couple does that. That's the routine. Every once in a while, each partner should try to do what is reasonable that the other partner typically does. Why? To demonstrate, I'm not taking you for granted. To demonstrate that, I appreciate what you are doing. And this is, for example, a simple example is housework. Again, I'm tr- not trying to say this is ideal. I'm simply saying the stereotypical norm is that women generally do more housework than the men. This is the stereotypical norm. I'm not saying it is Islamic, and I'm just saying that's what usually happens. Husbands, if Aisha herself told us, Radiallahu Anha, that our Prophet would milk his own goat... And he would mend his own shoes. And he would cook his own and prepare his own food. Now, Aisha said this. A lot of husbands jump on this and say, aha, uh, sorry, a lot of our wives. But I asked the women as well, do you think that Aisha would just sit and do nothing? What she is saying, our Prophet was not a commanding husband. Do this, cook my food, mend my shoes. He was not like that. If something needed to be done and he could do it, he would stand up and do it. Now, do you think that Aisha would just sit and do nothing? No. When she is there, she will do it. But he's not the commanding type. This is the ideal situation. Of course, even in the household of the Prophet ﷺ, our mothers cooked. That's the default. We know this from many ahadith. She would prepare food and put it in front. But he would not be commanding, oh this and that. And if something needed to be done, he wouldn't say, fetch me water. He would stand up and do it. And if Aisha saw, she would go and do it for him. But he wasn't that commanding type. So it's really important that both husbands and wives, they try to appreciate what the other is doing and not take it for granted. Husbands, if your wife is the one that is regularly cooking, every once in a while just say, you know what, you're cooking, I see you mashallah, every day, today let's go out. Or even more than this, and I hope my wife's not sitting here because I never do this, cook yourself. I'll be the first to say this is not possible for me, I don't want to food poison my children. So in my case it would not be allowed to to cook. I have not, I'm embarrassed to say, I have not cooked a meal, a proper meal, since my bachelor days but that's because i don't know how to cook unless you want to say boiling eggs or something that's fine but i it's not my forte if i do it i will uh completely mess up the food. So, But my wife knows this. If she's sitting here, she can testify to this. My wife knows this. I say, anytime you cannot cook, no problem. We will order out. You have an open license from me. No problem. I'm not putting any burden on you. If you cannot cook, no problem. Just tell me, we'll order or we'll go out or we'll order something, no problem. I don't want to put that burden on you. So, point is, there should be give and take. That whatever is the default, right? Suppose, you know, the husband typically does one chore, whether it's the garbage taking, whatever. Once in a while, let the wife take charge and say, I appreciate what you're doing. What this shows is that you're not taking the other person for granted. And you're appreciating what they are uh, doing. And these small acts, they really go a long way. And especially husbands, especially our wives, really they do the bulk and the brunt of the household chores. And it is human nature after a while they begin to feel cheapened. They begin to feel like you're just treating me like a servant. All I do is I cook and I clean and I do this. And it's human nature. We would feel the same. And we know this when our wives leave for a week or two. And we see how much work they have to do. We are so grateful when they come back. Right? When we have to take charge for that two, three days, it looks like two, three years. Okay, when that bowl doesn't magically disappear and it's still there when we come back, why did it go away? We just expect it to disappear magically, right? When the food isn't automatically put in front of us, it just comes from heaven. We actually have to cook, then we realize how much our women do. Look, what do you expect is gonna happen day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. And especially if you add to this children on taking care of the children, and rearing the children. It might even lead to a mental instability if she's not appreciated, right? Agreed, we have our jobs and we're paying for what not. Agreed, there's a lot going on there as well. And it's understandable, but it doesn't excuse that we should not take it for granted. Now, flip side as well. Women, our, our sisters, we talked about this issue of chores and responsibilities. Realize, one of the languages of love that most women do not appreciate, but men are screaming at the top of their lungs. So this is important, guys. Now, I've daunted you guys a lot. Now I'll give you a little bit of halwa puri, inshallah, okay? Give you a little bit of laddus here. One of the most common languages of love that men are the best in expressing, but women do not hear is the language of taking care of the responsibilities of finances. This is a language of love. Would you give your paycheck 70, 80, 90% to a stranger every single month? The very fact that a man goes to work, spends 80% or more of his income on his family, consistently, without even one grumble, happily writes, this is the house payment, this is the bills, this is that, this is what I have to do. Understands it and doesn't. This is what a man is supposed to do and he does it. This is a language of love that shows we care about this person. Why would we do it if we didn't care? And this is a language of love that the other party, generally speaking, is not receiving. And she will feel, he doesn't love me. Why? Because he doesn't do language number one, speaking. Or language number two. What was language number two guys? Did you take notes? No idea what it is. Then how are you gonna express the languages then? You are a Mr. Romantic man. <laughs> that means you have to memorize. What is the second language of love? Time. Quality time. Quality time. So she is saying, she is saying, He never says he loves me. He never spends time with me. This means he doesn't love me. And he for 10 years, 90% of his income is for the house. And she is ignoring this language completely. And he doesn't even realize there's a crisis. Because in his eyes, how can there be a problem? I'm taking care of you. taking care of the kids. Why is there an issue? Because he is screaming the language of love, in his Swahili, and she doesn't speak Swahili. She's waiting for the Chinese language. You get my point here, right? So both parties need to understand the languages of love. Dear wives, the very fact that your husband is consistently taking care of the finances, this means he loves you, or else you wouldn't be taken care of. Now, I'm not saying that's the only language. Remember we said there are other languages, right? But both parties need to understand there is love And this is language number four, helping the other out. Chores, responsibilities. We take our wives, generally speaking, I'm being stereotypical, but again, generally speaking, we take our wives' housekeeping for granted. But vice versa, our wives take the house for granted. They take the finances for granted. And we both need to appreciate each other more and understand that that is a language of love. Okay? And this leads us to our fifth language of love, and that is the language of the physical touch. The language of the physical touch, five. And five is 5A and 5B. 5B is obviously the act of intimacy. And that is clearly an aspect of marriage, and it is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be happy in. This is explicit in the Quran. Hunna lakum wa lakum. I started with 5b, by the way, because 5a is something we don't think about. I started with 5b. 5b is the act of intimacy. The conjugal act is a very important manifestation. Now, generally speaking, again I have to be stereotypical, statistically wise, for most men this is a very important language and a lot of times in most couples across all cultures not just muslim culture but across the globe most couples the man will complain about 5b i don't get enough of 5b okay i don't get enough of the this language of love but see and of course sometimes it's the other way that the wife is complaining and it's true both ways but the majority is, is, is that the men are complaining and this is again across all cultures. But see, one of the reasons why is that the other four languages and language 5A is not given. So when the wife is not getting any of the four and we're gonna come to 5A, I'm waiting for it to the end, don't worry. But I'm trying to explain to you. When she is not receiving any language of love She doesn't feel like giving the language of 5B. She doesn't feel appreciated. 5B, the language of intimacy, becomes a chore. She begins to despise it sometimes. Oh, he only comes to me when he needs me. He takes me for complete advantage. He has no clue as to the effort, the sacrifice, the love, the dedication. He only comes to me for one need of his. And it becomes a burden and a chore rather than becoming the most beautiful, the most romantic, the most intimate. Why? Because either the husband is not expressing or she is not understanding the other languages. The first four and 5A. And now I get to 5A. We understand what 5B is, That's very clear. What is 5A? This is a language that women love more than men, generally speaking, and it deals with the physical touch. The physical touch that has nothing to do with 5B. Do you understand this point? The physical touch that is not meant to get to intimacy. For most men, any touch needs to go the whole way. And this becomes burden, this becomes a chore. Can you believe, and this is a hadith in Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi and other books that our mother Aisha says, the first thing the Prophet Assam did when he entered upon us was that he would kiss us. This is an authentic hadith. Just a kiss. Guys, you can actually give a kiss and that's it. I know it's shocking to many of you, but that's it, you can stop right there. You don't have to go any more than that. A hug, just a hug, a back massage. And without going anywhere else, that's it. Just, oh, you're cooking, you must be tired. That's it. Nothing more than that. You don't expect anything more. Guess what? If you don't expect anything more, you might actually get something more. This is the point. You show the language of love and genuine love. And you appreciate. And when you do that, then she herself might open up and want to give a language that you want to hear. So 5A is just a physical touch that is meant to show that you appreciate her. Whether it's a peck on the cheek, whether it is kiss, whether it is a hug, something that is just a touch that is not necessarily sexual in nature. is just a touch, a physical touch. And in fact, a survey uh, was done by this author who, who did this book, that a survey was done that the majority of men only touch their wives when they're expecting the full way. And this survey demonstrated that most women then begin to find that touch repulsive. They don't want to be touched then. That's the only reason. They start feeling used. They start feeling that, oh, you only want me for that. And therefore, we need to break this barrier by even showing that our Prophet why would he do this? In fact, as well, that we learn from, and again, these are things we don't have that much details because we shouldn't. But what we do, it is very clear that this language was demonstrated by our prophet For example, that Aisha radiallahu It's a long story, but she did a, a favor to one of the other wives, one of the other mothers, and so the other our mother she agreed to swap her night with Aisha. Okay, so Aisha gets a, an extra night because this was agreed upon them, and so Aisha then when the prophet came. And he would visit all of his wives before ending with the wife, that the night whose turn it is. When he went to Aisha's house, Aisha said, I sat next to him. She's being generic here. The Prophet said, Oh Aisha, it's not your night. Aisha said, Oh, but I swap with her, don't worry. Okay, what does it mean? I sat next to him. He's talking about the language of touch. The language of touch that is indicating something more. And the is understanding what is going on, he's saying, it's not your night now. I say, oh don't worry, I have negotiated with the other, we did something for her, I did something for her, etc. This is what we call the language of touch which needs to be done. The unexpected kiss, the hug, something that is just genuine love. And that is why even we learn from the hadith in Bukhari that every time a Prophet went home, before he entered his house, he would do the miswak. Our scholars say, so that his breath was fresh. Why do you think his breath has to be fresh when he enters the house? Think about it, okay? The first thing he would do before this is outside the door, that's why the sahaba are watching, he would use the miswak. This is what you call the perfect marriage. You want your wife to love you, wife you want your husband to love you as well, you need to express these languages of love and understand these five languages, then each one of you needs to see. Think about these five languages. Because you didn't write them down, I have to go over them again now. But I'm gonna put you on the spot. I want you all to memorize them. The first language is? Words. Words doesn't just mean I love you. It also means what? Positive words. Affirmation. Encouragement. Praising the other. Say good things rather than negative. The second language of love? Quality time. And what does time really mean? Attention. Attention. You actually... And you negotiate... Because we all have our needs. Wives, your husbands need their private time. Especially when they come home, they just want to open the newspaper or watch the news. That's their version of relaxing. But husbands, you also need to give that quality time to your wives as well. Negotiate, sit down, put your schedule, and both have to compromise. Yes, it's not the most romantic thing that you have to schedule quality time, but it is better than nothing. That's number two. Number three, giving gifts. And we said the general rule, women want frequency over price. And the general rule, men want expense. Yeah, the kid knows, mashallah, you're gonna go far. I'm a bit worried about you. At this age, you're already taking two good notes. How old are you? Oh my God, la ilaha illallah. It's a little bit too young for you to have these well notes. He's gonna be mashallah. Okay, so the third language is the language of gift giving, right? And gifts don't have to be monetary can be free. It's the, the the point of giving something, the point of remembering, right? Something you thought of and you brought it back for the other partner. So this is the third language, the language of gift giving. Language number four, chores and responsibilities. Doing something for the other, right? Taking, understanding that, you know what, my partner's doing something for me, right? And we said, this language, especially for men, they need to understand the daily chores that their women, their wives do. And especially for women, they need to look at the financial aspect of the marriage. And these are things that demonstrate love taking place. Don't take it for granted. And then the final language of love was the language of the physical touch. 5A is non-intimacy, anything like that. And 5B is of course the actual active intimacy. These are the five languages of love. And realize the more you understand that your spouse is giving you love, the more you will give back to your spouse. Isn't that the case, right? It's human nature, right? So the problem comes a lot of times, we are not hearing our spouse. They might be saying the language. The very fact that your wife is taking care of the household affairs. And you just come home and you think it's a routine. That's a language of love. That is a language of love. Right there. Wives as well, the very fact that your husband is taking care of, whatever he's taking care of, that's a language of love. But perhaps you want a different language. That's the problem. You're used to that language, you want a different one. That's why you need to come together, understand, negotiate, and make the extra effort. Always remember that being in a healthy marriage, it is an active continuous state. It's never just a default and you sit back. Being in a healthy marriage... Both partners need to be actively involved in a healthy marriage. The minute that one of them just gives up, says, yeah, Khalas, everything is fine. No, it's gonna go downhill from there. Both partners need to analyze, be open-minded, realize that, yes, the other partner might have faults, but hey, I'm also a human. I mean, do you really think you are perfect and the other partner is imperfect? You must have faults, the other partner has faults. You want the marriage to flourish for your own sanity and for the children's sanity. It's not a matter of winning the argument. It's a matter of winning the marriage. That's what marriage is about. Compromise. Sometimes you, sometimes the other partner and the goal is of course compromise and therefore, dear Muslims, We have to strive to have marriages based upon love and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless us with that and with that insha'Allah ta'ala we sincerely pray that all of our marriages are successful marriages. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us partners that are a coolness of our eyes, a comfort of our souls. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our partners and our children that which will be قُرَّةُ عَيْنٍ lana in this world and the Akhirah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep our families united in this dunya and to keep them united in the Akhirah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows every member of our family to help the other members in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a way that will keep the bonds of family and in a way that will bring us together in the Akhirah as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of us and our wives and our spouses and our children and our progeny after us. Us. And with that if there are any quick questions inshallah, Just a few minutes inshallah, Quickly any question from the brothers About today's talk in particular Bismillah Masha looks like the brothers understand love completely They are all masters of romance Alhamdulillah They're all gonna go home today First going through the flower store To make sure they have flowers Even Kroger's has flowers. Better than nothing. You can go to Kroger's and bring flowers. Not problem. Just take the Kroger sticker off by the way. Learn something and make sure you take that sticker off. But something should be there. Any question from the brothers? Yes, go ahead. Yes, our brother asked a very valid question and that is that in today's households, most times both couples are working. Does that change anything? The languages are the same. The only difference comes that both partners need to understand that especially when it comes to chores especially when it comes to household issues. As anybody who is involved in the situation knows, it changes the entire dynamics, right? So languages are the same. It's just that both couples have to be more realistic in terms of what can each one give the other. And most important thing is frank and open communication. And in fact, that's another talk, maybe we can give it later on. How do you negotiate? How do you talk with your partner? about these difficult things. And as those who are not married, they're like, what's the problem? Just talk with them. Us married people, we know. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to bring up difficult topics, sensitive topics. Even if you've been married 20, 30 years, sometimes it's difficult to bring up very basic topics. And there's actually a psychology to do this. But, maybe another lecture, but for now I will say, open-minded and the willingness to listen that maybe I'm also making a mistake. All too often, we are so certain that the fault is 100% from her or she is saying 100% from him. And I will tell you from my own experience of talking and even in my own marriage, usually it is 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50. Once in a while we discover it's 90, 10 and 90% my fault and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize I'm doing something, really didn't even think about it. So it's a matter of being open-minded, listening with empathy, really seeing from the other side. That what is the issue at stake here? And if both parties are open-minded and sincere, then Allah guarantees that the marriage will be a success. In Yurida Islahan, Bainahuma. Any question from the sisters? No question from the sisters? Yes, Mr. God. Tahadu tahabu. Give hadiya. You will love one another. Tahadu give hadiya you will love one another. This hadith is for any two parties. Especially for husband, wife, is gonna be the most important. But if you give a hadith to anybody, that person will love you. So tahadu tahabu. InshaAllah with this, Jazakumullah khair, it's already 9.30. InshaAllah was a hopefully beneficial event. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. لا يزال الخير حيا لا يزال إن في الدنيا سلاما وظلال أخبر الأيام أنها في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال